Episode 24, The New Media Lifeboat. Welcome back to another episode of Ten Giant Robots. Ten Giant Robots. We're, uh, we're short a robot. We are short a robot. PJ Foley was not able to join us this evening. He was. Uh, he's working on uh, solving a cold. I think that robot is down for repair. <laughs> so we are pressing forward without him. Uh, hopefully, he uh, heals up well and he will be back soon. Good. So um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about this week, uh, there's uh, that documentary that I mentioned in a previous episode, uh, The Greatest Trick Hollywood Ever ever Pulled, I think is the name of it. Something like that. I still yeah. have not seen it. but No, yeah. Hollywood's Greatest Trick. Oh, right, right. Hollywood's okay. Greatest Trick. It's a 20-minute documentary. You can watch it for free online, so Google that. And uh, I did check it out. It's basically, you know, what's wrong with the VFX industry? And... I found it, you know, it's well-produced. It's interesting. It's not anything that I didn't already know. I think that those of us who work in VFX kind of already get it, that it's a very difficult, nearly impossible business model to make work financially. On on every level. I on mean, like, every level. Except for the studio level. Works beautifully for the studios. The studios are basically, they're getting free money and free labor through right. tax su- subsidies and... Uh, eager young people coming and, into the workforce and a non-union workforce that hires as many people as it does. I mean, yeah. it's like a pretty spec. I don't, I don't, I mean, in, in the United States, I don't know if I'm sure that it exists, but who else is not covered by a union that's of this scale? You know, that's, that's a me. really, that's a really <laughs> good question. Me. I mean, when you that look at my, the, those, that was my earphone. Oh, was it? I'm sorry. I just <laughs> turned you up. Which one's me? Oh, there you go. Is that me? No, that's me. Sorry. I'm messing with knobs here. Whoop. Uh, so, you know, like, for example, um, when you look at the credits at the end of the film, uh, if you were one of the VFX artists that worked on a movie, maybe you did a lot and mm-hmm. you expect to see your name at the end of the movie, you may not see it. And I, I have been in that situation. You know what? Are we through? We might be through. Did that make your earphones go no, louder? No, it's fine. It's all, okay. it's all good. Um, so uh, that's happened to me before. And I I uh, worked on, because um, it doesn't matter, I can name them. Um, I worked on Van Helsing and I worked on The Day After Tomorrow. Um, not in, not in a major capacity, sort of in the, you know, the third, fourth, fifth tier VFX houses where you do the other fill in stuff like breath when it's cold and that, you know, but your work was on the screen. Oh, absolutely. It was on the screen. Um, but it's interesting because in one case, um, my work, I, I was not given credit. Um, and in another case I was given credit and it boiled down to some politics and I don't know what it was, but it's, it, it's, it, 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 it was all kind of bullshit. You well, know, well, just about every other name that you see on screen, right down to the caterers or the, you know, the 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 drivers, they all they're all union. That's exactly right. So they they get their credits, uh, and it doesn't matter how much or how little you did on the film as a VFX artist. You really have no recourse if someone decides that your name isn't. There's not room for your name on the screen. They're just going to have maybe the leads or just the 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 company name or whatever. 
You know, it's the the thing that's also interesting about that too is you could be on a movie for even in a secondary capacity. Like in, I think in both cases, I was on it for maybe a couple of weeks. You know, excuse me, and that might be all the longer you were like you may had you may be an actor that did an under five. You know, or you were background for a day. You got credit. Yeah. You know, it's like like that makes no sense. Like the person who's actually on the movie longer is the one that's dissed out of credit, you know, and the person that just, you know, whatever central casting and showed up, you know, I mean, it just, it's, it, and it's not, you know, and, and I think we, I don't can't remember if we talked about this or not, but I think one of the things that happens as it, once you've been in, doing this for a while and you've gotten past the, the excitement of seeing your name in lights and telling all your friends and the bragging rights and all that stuff. At some point you've done that and that's no longer the, sort of compensation like in quotes that it that it used to be and now you're just like not that it's always for the glory a lot of times it's just for the interest of the work you know and just feed the family but at some point you're like it's a diminishing return well, i think is so, where i'm going with you know that. if it were some other industry where like let's say you were uh, as a kid you wanted to be an astronaut like it, you just like you dreamed of being an astronaut and that was just the one thing you always wanted and you saw it on tv and you're just like oh my god you see movies about astronauts you're like, oh my god i can't wait to do that and then you get there and it's because you're able to be an astronaut isn't pay right for, exactly right for doing the work right you know what i mean right, right because you got to do your childhood dream right is not payment it's not for work you can't you can't like your you know visa or mastercard does not accept uh well i'm glad you're doing what you're doing that's payment enough for us it's like no send us money so the you fact know? that you're working on whatever uh, an avengers movie and you think that's cool because you were a fan as a kid doesn't doesn't mean that you're being like that is not payment. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's a, it's a perk to, to, but, to, you know, to be able to say that or but to you, see your name in lights. But it is being used as leverage by studios. For sure. That's they're using that. They're using that as a form of compensation and we're nobody's talking about it. You know, well, because there's also there's also such uh, such a, a, a dearth. No, not a dearth. It's the opposite. There's such a plethora of of young talent. Just streaming into the right. industry, right? Willing to work for less and less and nothing, you know. Well, the, yeah, the, they're working right. ridiculous. They're, they're not asking for overtime, right? And they're working really long hours, and they're working for really low pay, and they're just so excited because they're working on X superhero movie. You know, um, well, I can't remember if I've mentioned this or not. And this, I'm going to name names. I'm not going to name people, but I'll just name the name of the companies because I, 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 to this day, I can't. I couldn't believe this. Um, uh, a friend uh, gave me a shout out for a gig. This has been, I don't know, four or five years ago, maybe longer. Um, but the gig was to do previs for a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and I thought, well, that sounds fun. Sounds interesting. You know, it's high profile. That's kind of goes a little bit in that, you know, astronaut territory and what we're talking about. Um, and then uh, I was like, OK, but, uh, you know, I have a rate. And I'm not going to drop the rate because it's Marvel. I'm, you know, uh, t- to be crass, but I'm not going to I'm not going to drop my panties because, you know, it's a rock star. You know, I'm still a paid musician. You know, um, the deal was less than I was making and I was going to bring in my computer and they were not going to pay a kit rate. Oh, my God. This is Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. I, that That's astonishing to me. You know, mm-hmm. so um, and I couldn't believe it. I, and I turned the job down. I was like, I'm not I don't I'm not taking my computer anywhere. You know, it's there. There are companies that are making far less money than Marvel and Disney. I don't know if Disney had bought Marvel at that time or if they were still a, their own thing. There are plenty of small boutiques that don't 
force you to do that. They're not using their content as leverage to sh- fuck you over. Right. You know, and I just th- I thought that was so lame. But. Well, I, I did apply for a, uh, a job for uh, a TV show that I would be very... It's a show I would be very excited to see. Right. So I'd be excited to work on it. Right. And there were very sweet people that I interviewed with, and they offered me the job. But the uh, the way the math worked out, even when I was you know trying to get the rate up, and they said, okay, well, we can do this, mm-hmm. even that higher rate was... A considerably less per week than I make now. Right. For con- for for more hours. Right. Exactly. For like ten more hours a week. You're getting squeezed from make- both sides, from yeah. a financial and a time side. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like that makes zero sense. And you know the thing is, is that lest people think this is a bitch session, it, we're already putting in a lot of hours. Yeah. So it's it's not like it's more even more than that. So you you would see your wife and kid even less than you already do. Right. And. On top of that, here's less money. It's like, where, where, where's, where's the upside, you know? Right. And oftentimes, like, if I've got a, 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 those extra 10 hours or whatever a week, I'm if, I, if I'm lucky enough, too, I take on a job from right. home. Right. But that's negotiable. That You're not locked into that I'm as a staff kind it, of thing. You know, right. and, I, and I can do it nights and weekends. And, you know, it sucks to work those long hours. But, you know, I'm home. I can, you know, I'm, right. I'm in proximity of my family. And I can bring in that extra income. I have the flexibility but, to do that. But it is extra income. It's on top of already a fair rate. It's not trying to cobble together a, a cheaper rate. I'm not saying that right. But you know what I mean? Like you're, it's money on top of money. It's not money trying to equal. I'm, I'm not finding a good way to say this. But yeah. You know what I mean? I, so, I think, I think, yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to pay my rent with prestige. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, exactly. And that, that extra job that you're getting is money on top of already a fair rate. Right. You're not trying to do that. At, I'm still saying, <laughs> read the blog, you know. Anyway, anyway so, yeah, if you're, so if you're interested yeah. in, in the, so the challenges facing the VFX industry, this non-union uh, gold rush for, uh, for, the, for the studios where they're wanting more and more VFX, higher, on, uh, you know, higher and higher quality, more volume, and yet, uh, you know, the, the, the conditions and the pay for the people involved seem to be um, eroding. Yeah. Uh, and companies are going out of business left and right. And the whole Life of Pi situation with Rhythm and Hughes. Right. Really, really tragic, uh, but also fascinating to find out about if you didn't know. Check out uh, Hollywood's Greatest tri- Trick. You can find it online, as I said. But it's that like brings 24 us, minutes long or something. Yeah, something like, that. Something like yeah. that. It's under half an hour. But still, you know, um, very interesting. So, you know, it brings us to our topic, which is, um, you know, we work in the vis- visual effects industry, but we are also trying to find other forms of income, other ways to sort of express our creative impulses, uh, perhaps through new media, um, in order to, I, I don't want to say, Find an escape hatch, but basically find, find, an, escape find an escape hatch. <laughs> you know, and I and I think too one one of the things that I think the most ideal situation would be to leverage skill sets we already have uh, into the new media space. And and I think at least uh, my thinking, I think a lot of us and our peers are also trying to figure out how do you create some form of longer term equity. Of something that you can build on, and something um, that you have a little more control over. Exactly. And you right. know what? Maybe escape hatch isn't the right analogy. Maybe it's more like a lifeboat because right. you can feel 
you know, as much as you're liking the ride, you can feel the boat sinking, and you have to ask yourself, how long is this situation going to stay afloat? And you also realize every boat's leaking. You're just jumping from leaky boat to leaky boat. It's true. You know, and you're you're at some point you're like, you know, some days there's the boats are pretty far apart, even and they're all leaking. So like, you know, at some point it'd be nice to just get in a boat that's not leaking. And as you as you get older. You, you know, you have to ask yourself certain questions about like, well, what's, you know, what's it going to look like in five years? And, right. And if, and if you're married and have a child and you have real expenses, the real expenses yeah. and those questions become even more pressing. So which is the situation that I'm in. And and, uh, you know, it, it um, it's a real concern. So those the concept of those lifeboats and being mm-hmm. able to construct something that could potentially, you know, uh, keep you afloat uh, is uh, is uh, a real a real Concern, you know, and I think on the on the glasses half full side of this um, challenge is that um, now that the we have the ability to turn our skill sets into something that um, where we can we have access to a lot wider people just at our home, you know, through the internet, through YouTube, and all the other Vimeo, all the other ways that you can find an audience or fan base. Um, that's most definitely on our side. That's something that didn't exist, you know, 20 years ago. You, you had to be in the business. There was no other route right. unless you were independently wealthy. You right. Know? And that's the whole new media thing is that, uh, you know, distributions become democratized. That's right. And so now, now the real trick is content, content, content. And right. I, and, and yeah. So how do you rise above the noise? Well, you create good content. You create a lot of it. Right. You need to be a regular creator. Right. So... While you're trying to create quality content, you can't get too bogged down in creating that content. Right. Because if it takes you too long to create one bit of content, uh, then the whole like uh, being um, uh, uh, prolific right. And, right. And, and predictable right. in creating that content and you know, uh, becomes a problem. And I also think, too, you know, anytime you're creating content that's not driven by uh, an immediate customer demand, customer demand where you already have a contract and you know you're getting paid it's a speculative endeavor and so what ideally what you would hope to do is try to figure out how to find some insurance against that speculation you know and there's a bazillion there's a myriad of ways of doing that you know but one of the planting many many seeds you know doing a zillion videos on youtube with some other um uh, built-in uh, monetization other than just clicks per thousand or whatever. I so mean, it takes forever. So, so you're saying like, don't you, it's, you're, you're talking about doing something above and beyond just creating a YouTube channel where you're creating content, uh, a lot of content on a regular basis it, and expecting to get like Google ad shares. That's and, right. Like, click throughs and, and all that. And this is uh this is something that is evolving in real time because um, at least, and I kind of follow this, um, but in the things that I've seen most recently, um, it is much harder to make a living on uh, the the clicks per view and the AdWords, the Google AdWords and that kind of thing. Um, it's it's definitely there. Um, but for that to add up to any sort of real meaningful income for a person who, you know, has adult expenses, you know, uh, it's going to be a lot harder to do unless you have a bazillion viewers. But even so, a lot of those people are still making, like you hear about the YouTube, you know, stars that are making in the millions of dollars. They're not making millions of dollars in Google AdWords. They're making millions of dollars because they're doing sponsorships and they're doing mm-hmm. other things that are outside of that. But what YouTube has given them is a platform to really build value, build value and build a brand for themselves. So they become the go-to person for 
X, Y, Z, and then other people come in if they're sponsors or whatever. Um, but the thing I think is interesting about this, um, this scenario is that you, it's almost like a Lego set of monetization. You can kind of build it however, what, whatever bets best suits your, you know, your personality and what your interests are. Cause I know like a lot of the people that make a lot of money on YouTube are the guys that uh, do gaming videos. You know, they sit there and play video games and, and comment on them and, you know, there's banter and, and that kind of thing. And there's, but a, that's ad revenue. A lot of it is, but still some of that is other uh, like sponsorships. They're, they're, they're being, they're, they'll pull up a game and they're playing a game. They're sponsored by that game sometimes. Okay. So, so presumably to get sponsorship, you'd need to have an audience. Uh, you need to have, have an audience and created value for a sponsor. That's exactly right. So how do you like, and e- e- this is one of the problems, um, the challenges with this approach is how do you bridge the gap from getting started with no viewers and very little content to having lots of content and immense viewers or enough to where you've, you've got demonstrable value and you can approach a sponsor. Well, two things, at least in my understanding, and, and I, I am in the process of pursuing something like this now. And so I'll learn more as I go and I'll learn specifically in the area that I'm looking at, you know, the area that I'm creating in. I'm not, cause I'm not a gamer, so I'm not going to create in that world. So you're, you're, are you going to, or not going to uh, look for sponsorships? I will at some point when I have enough eyeballs on me consistently where that makes sense for a sponsor because gotcha. it doesn't otherwise. And you know, um, but one of the things that, um, uh, that I, um, I totally lost my train of thought. It'll come back around, but, um, uh, talking about how to um, uh, like monetize this, I really did lost my train. Oh, that's okay. I, I mean, if if you, you know, jump in, if if it comes back, but um, the, this is not a topic where you know something that I'm doing. I'm not I'm not creating this sort of like funnel of content that funnels into my pocket. You know, with, right? With with uh, with revenue, you know, the, the the dripping stream of revenue that hopefully grows as the content grows, my audience grows. But this is something that I know that you've. You've dabbled in a, a number of times, right? And right. and we were talking before uh, before hopping on the mics that you've got a new a new approach and a new set of content that you're you're hoping to create a you know a a, a, a channel on that you that you know you create all this value and you and you hook people in and then you're getting this revenue stream and and uh, I guess I, I want to talk a little bit about you know what you've learned. And uh, from the the times that you've tried and maybe you've abandoned mm-hmm. or maybe you you're not putting that much energy into, but you're putting this energy into this new one. What do you think is different about this approach? Well, I think uh, well, to it, I want to uh, address for me what the elephant in the room is, and that's always fear. Mm-hmm. And, and the fear is, uh, am I wasting my time? Is there a better place to spend my time than doing these videos or whatever, you know? And the reality is, is that I've kind of ultimately come to the conclusion that um, anything you only do halfway isn't worth your time. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you don't ever give it a chance to see results. And I think that's true with anything in life. You know, the thing that's different for me about um, going from uh, work for hire to doing this myself is this has to be self-motivated. And so you're sort of locked in. You have um, um, you're responsible to other people when you take on a gig. So you show up. So there's this external um, um, uh lock-in device you know you, right. you can't get out of it you know right. um whereas this you can kind of fudge away well is it that is that is that is that you know but i think ultimately what i've learned so far and the things that i've experimented with and tried and moved on and you know just trying to find what that thing is is that i think if it were a venn diagram what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to find the overlap of where my natural 
place of interest is, the thing I'd be doing anyway, even if I wasn't getting paid for it, um, and finding the overlap of where there is an audience that is big enough that I can develop over time um, that can become that idea of, you know, a thousand true fans or the long tail or, you know, concepts like that that have been discussed before. Um, I don't know if on this podcast, but it's, a, it's sort of the, a model of building niche communities of fan bases that's enough to create a middle class income you know you're not going to be the rolling stones or whatever but um well in terms of just let me jump in for a second in terms of your uh, venn diagram it seems to me that you'd want to put more emphasis on the side um that describes what your interest is what you'd be doing anyway what would be most easy for you to do even when you don't feel like it well because the audience part that I think that's going to happen or not happen. Like who, who the hell knew that pet rocks were going well, exactly. to take off, right? And like if you do the thing that you're passionate about, right. I think the audience will follow. I agree. And I think that the also even the difference is, is that pet rock, you know, was a phenomena that happened pre-internet. And so mm-hmm. when you think about, you can have the most obscure interest and you're going to find a fan base that really kind of didn't exist before. Or if it did, it was in, you know, you'd, you'd meet with other people at a Holiday Inn in a conference center, and there'd be 20 of you that were really into Pet Rocks or whatever, you know what I mean? But it was so fractured and so geographically confined, you know, unless you were willing to travel across the country for whatever, you know, you found out about it through trades or through whatever. But now... There was a bulletin board where you, you could find out. And it, but, it was, but I mean, they were totally worth going to, by the way, the Pet Rock. <laughs> excitement. Yeah. Um, but I mean, now they people come looking for you, you know? I guess what I was going to say, and it's one of those things earlier, like how to how to, to d- dive back into how do people find you, um, and how do people understand that you're there? Um, I know I'm kind of crossing over here a little bit back into this other thing, but um, uh, you first of all, there's a thing called SEO, which is search engine optimization, and that just basically tries to make your site as friendly towards people that are randomly Google searching, you know, so that you pop up somewhere in the mix. So that's one. The other thing too is what I like to call sort of the rap model, the hip hop model, and the hip hop community has done an extraordinary job of bringing new talent up because what uh, what happens frequently in the hip-hop community is uh, a, somebody will get big and then they'll have a guest rapper on a song and that person may be an unknown and they've given this person a huge platform. They are allowing them to ride their coattails on a song or two or whatever. And I think that also happens, I, I don't think I do know that this happens with YouTubers, is that YouTubers really, uh, the ones that start to pop bring other people up with them. It's sort of, it, it's kind of a, it's a kind of, it's a cool thing about that community, you know, is there is a lot of reciprocation between people that are, have created a big fan base, you know, and it also makes sense too, because if a person in fan base A has, you know, a million subscribers or fan, let's call them regular fans. And another person only has 10,000, you know, subscribers, which is still a fair amount, but they're, they're not quite the same thing. But the person in column A who has a million viewers really would like those 10,000 viewers. It's just not an immediate crossover. If they have that person on, if they bring that person on, that person will bring their audience with them. So So they might be able to absorb those 10,000 new people. So if the content that you're creating can also enable you to have guests on who are YouTube celebrities of a sort... Is that what you're talking about? Where could you can be, yeah. basically cross pollinate and and pick up a bunch of viewers? Absolutely, and it could be people who are doing similar things to to what I'm talking about doing, or it could be um, uh, some where I have a um, 
where there's a there is a parallel partnership. For example, if somebody's doing how to do short little movies and they're about, you know, the technology of it, the gear and how cameras work and stuff. But they, they're missing the storytelling part of it. If I offer the storytelling part of it, then that's a natural marriage where we're not. It's a it's a it's a it's a nice relationship because I'm not doing what they're doing and they're not doing what I'm doing, but they really do work mm. together. They, they're, they, they're synergy to use that overused word. So but. you're going to be doing a series of rapping videos. I think that's, <laughs> gonna be really, that's, exactly. that's really exciting. <laughs> the takeaway is do rap videos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, so in conclusion, right. It sounds like, uh, you know, this is something that can work and certainly a lot of people have made it work, but one of the, one of the really important things to tackle is the fear of of doing it and committing to it because for something like this which is it really it's not like writing a screenplay you know when you're done you're done supposedly right. although you know it's always rewriting um it's committing to the the long term of continuing to create these videos that you know these branching videos or these interconnecting videos where people want to just click 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 through to each one and um and continuing to create that content and 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 promote it over time so you know because if you do it for a week obviously you're not going to build an audience and it's not going to be worth it that's right and i think i think also too the big jump and the takeaway uh going from one to the other going from work for hires to doing your own stuff is when you're doing your own stuff you're the captain of your own ship um and uh but but it's all speculative you don't know that you're going to get an income where if you're taking work for hire you absolutely know you're getting an income and i think really the differentiation between the two is we're in the visual effects business what we're worried about is that there's no long-term strategy with visual effects even though you might be getting paid on the short term right so So. we're still we're still standing on the boat that's sinking but we're inching our way towards the lifeboat so that if the shit goes down we can make the leap if necessary i think that's it yeah <laughs> all right uh this has been uh another episode of 10 giant robots thanks for listening folks thanks guys 10 giant robots is created and distributed by the 10 giant robots radio network in beautiful downtown burbank california our theme music was created by the incredibly talented shane Knight. Follow us on Twitter at 10GiantRobots or at 10GiantRobots.com.